This morning we're opening up a series called People-ing. We're talking about dealing with other people in this series. It's an issue so big that we actually made up a word for it. People-ing. This is graduation weekend and we're so excited that the that there's some graduates in the house. Hey, by the way, graduates, we have a gift for you after the service. See Sue Clear in the foyer. She's got a table and she'll give you a gift. Uh, there also may be some incoming sixth graders. This is like, like my son is leaving first grade, going into second grade, so he's going into the, I'm sorry, our son. <laughs> I didn't say that, our son. is going into the second grade, and so he's not in the first grade class anymore. He's in the second grade class now. And the fifth graders that were fifth grade are now in sixth grade, and we've got them in the house with us today. That's, not, that's by design. We don't have a youth program uh, for Sunday morning. We have that on Wednesday nights. We want our middle, schooler, middle schoolers and high schoolers to know where they belong. I actually had a 24-year-old come to me and ask me. He was ready to get his life back on track, and he said, Adam, can I, can I, I want to get into church. I said, great. I'd love to see you come to church. And he said, is there a youth group I can go to? And I was like... <coughs> dude, come to church. Like, that's the first thing. He didn't feel like he could come because for 18 years of his life, he was taught, you don't belong in here. That's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. We want our middle schoolers and our high schoolers to know, you belong in here. So we're happy to see the incoming sixth graders sitting with us. You know, we're, we're we're not that boring. We're not boring at all. (laughs) <laughs> we like it here, so we're glad to have you with us. All right, I'm Pastor Adam. This is my wife, Lena. As you know, she's the better side of me. And uh, we're opening up our series called People-ing. We made up a word for it. I just saw... No, he made up a word for it. It's true. We didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made up a word for it. People-ing. This is a very significant issue in the Bible. This is dealing with other people. How do you, how do you people in a way that would honor the Lord. You see, when uh, me and my wife, you see, we have total and complete unity on a perfect vacation. We have total and complete perfect unity of what we think a dream vacation would be. A dream vacation for both of us would be someplace like Disney World. (laughs) Someplace, you know, with, with lots of action. Where everything is quiet. Or, well, where, where, where there's people everywhere. Where there's nobody anywhere. <laughs> and I can go up and talk to people anytime I feel like it. Where nobody is talking to me or bugging me, including him. Mm. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, so maybe, maybe we don't have perfect and total unity of what a dream vacation would be like. We, we don't. And that's okay. That's okay. That's because God made us differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, opposites attract, right? We are as opposite as you get. You look, you look at our personality profiles and you lay them on top of each other, you cover all the bases. Because he's this and I'm that and that's, that's how God made us. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. God wired Adam to recharge by being around people. That's extroverts. They, they, they get energy by being around people. I'm an introvert. I don't get energy by being around people. It drains me. I get energy, I recharge by being alone. And that's, neither one is wrong, it's just how God made us. Now, as long as we follow scripture, if I use that introversion and I use that um, 
well, I recharge by being alone, and I use that as, as an excuse to not being around people, I'm not following God's plan for me. Yep. Yep. The Bible. So there's nothing wrong with me being an introvert. Right. Just wrong if I take it too far. Same for being an extrovert. There's nothing wrong with being an extrovert, but extroverts can be, and I can, I can, I can say this about extroverts because I, I is one. <laughs> we can be obnoxious. Yep. We enter a room mouth first. Yep. You know? So I've got to make sure that I can discipline that and I can deal with people in a way that honors Jesus. Yep. See, this is a big deal in the Bible. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through, 30, 36 through 40. By the way, where, where we're really going to be in just a minute, this is kind of introductory, where we're going to be is Romans 12. If you have your Bible, turn or tap to Romans 12. We're going to spend a lot of time there. But right now, I'm, I'm in Matthew chapter 22. There was a, a teacher of the, a, a guy, you know, he came to Jesus, and Jesus was teaching, and he says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is what's referred to as the double love commandment. We love God and we love others. Love God and love others. It's double love. See, the first commandment, Jesus said, the first commandment is the most important. Love God with everything you've got. He said it's the, the first and, and greatest commandment. And then he said the second one is like it. Also the most important. It's also the most important. Love others. We love God and we love others. Those two things can't be separated. Mm -hmm. It is the double love commandment. Not two commandments, the double commandment. Love God and love others. So some of us, it's, it's easy. We love God, right? But loving others means being around people. And we're like, eh, I don't really like to be around people. Um, but not being around other people, that's not God's plan. Um, it's his design, like I said, for some of us to recharge by being alone. But that doesn't mean it's his plan for you to be alone. So in the Bible... Jesus said in John 15, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So God the Father loved Jesus. Jesus received that love and he poured it out and loved you, right? right. And then Jesus goes on and he says in John 15, 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So Jesus received from the Father, he passed it to us. We're not just supposed to sit there with it. Yes, thank you. I received that, Jesus. No, we're supposed to do exactly what Jesus did. Jesus passed it to us. We're supposed to pass it to others. Right. James goes on and explains in James chapter 2, verse 14, he, he explains how, um, what good is it, basically, this is my paraphrase, what good is it if you love God, but you don't actually love others? He explains it like this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds. Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action, is dead. See, we're saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. The church, we, we love to talk about loving God, we do a lot about that, but this series is specifically about loving 
others. What good is it if you've received God's love, if you love God? You're just going to be one little happy camper soaking in all the love? What good is that? Faith, you're saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. We need to do something with the love of God that we receive. See, we aren't the first people to struggle with peopling. So in Romans 12, Paul gives rapid-fire commandments on how to love others. So we're going to look at that. Um, let's look at Romans verse 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. This isn't talking about emotional love. I love you, honey. Love you too, baby. No, it's talking about a moral orientation to the kingdom of God. It's about orienting our values to be like Jesus' values. Right. So how do we do that? Paul tells us in uh, Romans 12.10, we're going to be going every verse here. So if you've got your Bible, make sure you're in Romans 12. Paul says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And that's actually point number one. Honor one another above yourself. Honor others above yourselves. These are, we're giving you seven points today, seven things we can learn from Romans chapter 12. And Paul said that, honor one another above yourselves. He said the same thing to the Philippians. Honor one another above yourselves. And then he goes on in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. He says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's a pretty steep commandment. Mm -hmm. And you're dealing with other people, have the same perspective as Jesus. See, Jesus was pretty awesome before he was born. Before the whole manger story, he was pretty awesome. He was God in heaven in all his splendor. And he humbled himself to die for people like us who did not deserve being died for. We didn't deserve it. But Christ died for us anyway. That's the perspective we should have towards others. Honor others above yourselves. See, I have this spiritual gift to know what some of you are thinking. <laughs> Especially the guys, you know. We, we don't like this idea of, you know, giving up something for somebody else. Like, that's, that's wimpy. I want to put my foot down. Like, it shall be! None shall pass, right? Like, <laughs> We like to have it the way it's going to be. What's, what's stronger? A manly man that can beat anyone in an arm wrestling competition or the story of a dad that I heard whose daughters were in the ocean and they got caught in a riptide current and he went out to rescue them, saved their lives, and in the process himself drowned. What's manlier? I think that's a whole lot manlier. Yes. Being willing to give up his own life to save his children. What dad wouldn't do that? They're going to save their, their kids. That's a strong, manly guy. And so when we honor others above ourselves, that's not wimpy. That's, that's strength. Mm -hmm. That's being strong. Yep. So continuing in Romans, let's look at verses 11 and 12. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. What does it look like to be these things? What's it look like to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer? How do we keep our spiritual fervor, which by the way, I flubbed that up when I was practicing it. Fervor. That's how she was trying to very, say it before. Very carefully Verver. say that word now. Fervor. <laughs> but 
Paul, Paul continues, he tells us in verse 13, he says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So seven things that we're learning from Romans today. Number two, show generosity towards others. Generosity make, marks the Christian. Mm-hmm. Jesus said in John 13 that the world will know you, the world will know my followers because of their love. And one way we can show love is being generous. Yep. Verse 13 right there, it says... Um, to share with the Lord's people who are in need. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're one of the Lord's people who are in need. Or you may become one of the Lord's people who are in need. If that's you now, or if, when it becomes you, I want to encourage you, don't let your pride get in the way of asking for help. We don't make it a routine to call every one of you every week and say, how's it going? Did you pay your bills this week? Like, we're not going to do that. We need to know. If you're in trouble, if you're in need, let us know. This church is responsible for connecting people in need with thousands and thousands of dollars of help in their time of need. We may be able to help you too. So don't hesitate to ask. We have, you can go right to our website and fill out a form to say, um, I have a need in the menu, and that starts the process. But we would love the opportunity to help you when it comes to that. Because we want to obey the Bible. We want to show generosity. We can't do it unless you tell us. Right. So another way to show generosity is with our personal space. And this one makes me cringe. This is why I'm here, because I told the extrovert, he can't talk to introverts like this. Nope. (sighs) So I'm cringing, along with all the rest of the introverts, about hospitality and my personal space. Paul specifically mentioned hospitality. See, in that culture... Your home was a free Airbnb to anybody passing through, traveling. Because they didn't have hotels to stay in, right? So that was considered a cultural responsibility to assist people who were traveling. Thankfully, that's not our culture today. We have hotels. You don't have to open up your home as an Airbnb unless you want to. Adam would do that. Yep. And I would say, (laughs) nope. Because that just makes me a little cringy. But... I'm wearing this shirt. Okay, so I have to share this with you. It says, it's too people-y outside. This is how I feel. I've avoided wearing this to church, but today just seemed the perfect day to wear my it's too people-y outside shirt. Um, because that's, that's how I feel a lot. It's too people-y outside. I just want to stay home. I don't want people in my space. I just want to be here. But that's not what we're called to do. It, it's funny. Some of you chuckled. But if we're doing that, we are not living a generous life. We're not showing hospitality. God doesn't want you to be a loner. God wants you to be generous with your space. So there's a challenge for introverts, including myself. Let's be generous with our space. Yeah, God calls, God, God makes us introverts and extroverts, but he doesn't make any of us loners. Right. We decide that. Right. Yeah, yeah, right on. Romans chapter 12, verse 14. We're giving you seven things we can learn from Romans 12. Verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Here's the third thing we learn. Flip the relationship script. Flip the relationship script. See, in our normal daily living, there's, a, there's just a relationship script. Like, like you walk into a store, and you're like, like, like you walk past somebody, you might say, hey, how you doing? 
And what you don't expect them to do is to actually answer your question. <laughs> a normal, typical scripted answer in American culture would be, hi. Like, how you doing? Hi. You didn't answer the question, but that was okay, because we know that how you doing means hi, basically. By the way, if you want to just freak somebody out, next time someone says, hey, how you doing, tell them. <laughs> I had some Taco Bell last night, I'm a little oh. gassy. <laughs> just tell them, just watch their eyes bulge out. What? Or you could make it up. You didn't actually... That might be true with him. Never mind. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> There's a typical script that we do in our American culture. You know, if somebody says, you're stupid, you might say something back about their mother. <laughs> if, if they're persecuting you, it is not normal to turn back to them and say, high five. That doesn't make sense to us. We can flip the relationship script. That's exactly what God told us to do. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. Here's, here's the big thing I hope you get out of this. Godly peopling is very counterintuitive and countercultural. Your intuition and the culture that we're raised in teach us to do things that are not godly in dealing with other people. So in the next several weeks, as we cover some topics of peopling and dealing with others, make sure you stay open. You're like, that sounds crazy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You would never normally high-five someone that's persecuting you, but it's kind of what God tells us to do. And we'll talk more about that in just a second. So picking back up in Romans 12, let's look at verse 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. So seven things from Romans 12. Number four is live life with others. You're not intended to live the Christian life by yourself. You just aren't. If you're rejoicing, rejoice with someone. Mm -hmm. If you're mourning, mourn with someone. Extroverts don't have quite as much trouble with this, I don't think. I mean, they walk, walk into a room like, hey, hi, how's it going? Slap your back. Give them a hug. People! Yep. They love it. Introverts, we're a little bit more quiet about those feelings, about rejoicing. Maybe rejoicing you'll get a little more out of us. But the morning, eh, I've been there. And instead of mourning with someone else, I went through it alone. I shut down because I was so hurt. And I was like, I don't want to be around anybody. That's the opposite of what Paul's saying. And let me tell you, I was in a world of hurt and alone in that hurt for a good, what, year and a half before I joined a group called the Sisterhood. And I had a group of women, pastor's wives, who surrounded me with love and they mourned with me as I mourned. Don't do it alone, guys. Don't do it alone. And you know what? That very thing that God brought me through Maybe there's someone else going through that and they need me to come alongside them and mourn with them because I've experienced it firsthand. So don't rip off someone else by not allowing them to mourn with you because it's going to bless them, that God's going to use what he brought them through to bless you. And don't shortchange yourself by not going through with someone else, what you've already been through, what God's brought you through. There's a reason God did that. God allowed that. Not a reason God did that. There's a reason God allowed it. And it's to use you and to use others. So don't do life alone. Yeah. Other people matter. Mm 
in your walk. Yep. Yep. That wasn't in my notes. That just came like out. So that was just like. Way to go. Preach. <sighs> Seven things we learn about dealing with people in Romans chapter 12, verse 16. Here's the next one. Live in harmony with one another. Paul's given rapid fire commandments. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Here's the fifth one, point number five. See others like Jesus does. See others like Jesus does. So we, we, we need other people. Other people matter in our spiritual development. So exactly who am I supposed to love? The answer should be obvious, everybody. But Paul, Paul took issue here. He actually specified, we be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. There's a reason he had to say that. Because we like to deal with people like us. Ouch. You know, we, we like to deal with people that, you know, they're like me. That's not godly peopling. We need to be willing to associate with people of low position. Listen, this church is not, and I hope never becomes, a country, a country club for the spiritual elite. We're a hospital for sinners. Mm-hmm. Only the special people get into a country club. But everybody needs a hospital. Yeah. We're a hospital. We're a spiritual hospital. We are for the rich. We are for the poor. We are for the white, brown, and black. We are for the athletes, creatives, and the nerds. Hey, I'm not an athlete or a creative. Does that mean I'm a nerd? <laughs> I just like realized, man, I think... How should I edit this? Dude? I don't know. I think we need something else in there. I just we're, landed in we're the category for the Lanas. nerd. We're for the Lanas. <laughs> We're for the Republicans, we're for the Democrats, we're for everybody. I hope that when you walk through our parking lot, probably right now, if you were to to go and analyze the cars in our parking lot, you may see a Lexus right next to a rust bucket. Those cars are not equal. But at the foot of the cross, their drivers are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there may be, even spiritually, in this room, there may be a spiritual Lexus sitting next to a spiritual rust bucket. Equal value at the foot of the cross. Yep. Equal value. We are for everyone. Who do we need to love? Who do we need to people with? Everybody. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting next to some of them. That's good, babe. Thanks, baby. Picking up in verse 17, Paul says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil, Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. You cannot or should not make everybody happy. That's, it's just not possible. That's not the point. Um, The point is that our life is a representation of Jesus to the world around us. And then it should be attractive to the world around us. If we're representing Jesus, Mm -hmm. what do you want your life to look like? Something that Jesus would be proud of? Anyways, picking up verse 18, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So this is point six. Your responsibility is peace. Parents put peace in your home. One of the greatest things that you can give your child besides leading them to a relationship with Jesus, one of the greatest things you can give them is a healthy marriage. This, this comes first uh-huh. before my kids. Another great gift I can give my child is a peace-filled home. Home. It takes two to argue. 
And I'm not saying we don't argue. There's a healthy way and a fair way to argue. And my kids need to, our kids right. need to see that. If we're arguing, the other person needs to know. <laughs> Sometimes with introverts, that's a little hard. Whoops, preaching at myself again. Yep. Um, but anyways, let there be peace in your home. Peace should reign. There's, um, there's just not... We live in a, a society where there's not a lot of peace. You get on social media and someone's griping about something, don't get on there and post a comment to stir up discord. If you don't have anything that's going to give peace, just shut your mouth. Stop your fingers from typing. Maybe just get the heck off of social media. You don't need to get into a fight with someone. That's not attractive. That's not showing love. That's not fulfilling your responsibility of peace. Now, it's not always possible to have peace. It just isn't. Sometimes there's an injustice, and Jesus would not stand for the injustice, but he wouldn't back down either. So, you know, there's the, the story in the Bible where, you know, the money changers at the temple and Jesus was mad. He was mad, but he didn't sin, right? right? So you can be mad and not sin. And, you know, Jesus did his thing, and he was mad, but he didn't sin, and he flipped over those tables. And he's, he set them straight, mm-hmm. but he didn't sin. So there's times for that when there's an injustice. Yep. But there's times for peace. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you that discernment. Even in the middle of that, you can, even in the middle of anger, you can keep your own inner peace. Absolutely. If you find it's yourself not, not having that inner peace, anger's not godly. Go get before the cross. Yep. Yep. Here's the seventh thing we learned from Romans 12. When we join God's plan, better things happen. When we join God's plan, better things happen. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends. See, again, again, everything that is godly peopling kind of goes against our normal culture. Somebody punches you, you punch them back harder so they know. That's what our kids do. Right. And there's some adults that haven't figured out not to do that. (laughs) Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. I love how the scripture says, leave room for his wrath. That means if you take up all the wrath, there's no room for his wrath. So get out of the way. Don't take revenge. Here's what I mean. If what you really want out of a relationship is to slap somebody, back up and let God handle it. He slaps harder. (laughs) Just back up and let God handle it. Surrender to him. There's a deeper principle that I want us to see. When we submit our natural efforts to God's plan, we will find God's blessing. When we submit our natural best effort to God's plan, then we'll be in God's blessing. And I want all my relationships to be in God's blessing. God engages with us when we do his peopling plan. He engages with us. Our correct behavior with people will drive God to action. If you do your part, God does his part. More accurately, join God's plan in relationships and it will result in something far greater than you could have done on your own. You could do a friendship on your own, but if you do it God's way, the both of your lives will be changed. Yeah. 
You can do a marriage on your own, but if you do it God's way, it becomes a, a, an example uh, to the world of what God did for his church. You can become a witness. It's a great mystery, Ephesians says. You can deal with difficult people in your own way. These are all things we're going to be unpacking in the coming weeks. You can deal with difficult people in your own way, but if you do it God's way, they'll walk away thinking, wow, there's, somebody, there's something different about them. So let's submit to his plans, and even greater things will happen. Yep. Would you stand with us? We need to embrace the love of God and use it for the kingdom of God. Jesus, Jesus prayed this in John 17. My prayer is not for them, the disciples, alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, like, like us, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The love of God that we receive is for others. We need to show love to others. And when we do that, the world will know who Jesus' disciples are. Yeah. Far too many of us live as though the world's going to know who the disciples are by our ability to argue. Ooh. Too many Christians function as though they think the world's going to know who the disciples are by you know, how staunch they can be about something. But Jesus said, the world's going to know who my followers are because of their love. Let's pray together. Lord, we submit the whole of our, ourselves, the whole of our lives to you today. We want to be uh, vessels to be used in your kingdom. So Lord, we repent of our own pride and we surrender all of our lives to you, especially the area when it comes to others. May we show your love more deeply and greatly so that the world can know what your love is like. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.